0: The following is message number 6 of a Southeast Blending Conference held in Jacksonville, Florida, on the morning of September 5, 2011. The title of the message is Being Built Up in the Church as the City of God, Part 3, Living in the Church as the Kingdom of God, according to the Revelation and the Gospel of Matthew. And the speaker is Brother Ron Kengis. In the three messages on the church as the city of God, there is a progression, especially in experience. In message four, we saw that we need to be under the unique headship of Christ, every one of us. Then in message five, this unique headship of Christ became The Lord's direct ruling in our inward being. And then now in this message, when we come to the outline, we will go on to begin to consider our entire living. Regarding our inner being, our daily living, our relationships, and our service is the expression of the Christ who is ruling in us by living in us. But before we come to message six, uh, I feel that I need to give a further word concerning what it is to be under God's direct rule and how this relates to the proper and continual exercise Of our conscience and I'll read a number of verses to you that may be helpful Uh, at the outset I would say this is what mainly happens to a diligent person a sensitive person who does not want to practice sin even though he or she fails from time to time who does not love the world The conscience is sensitive, and whenever there is a sense of condemnation, meaning God's judgment, not self-judgment, or defilement in the conscience, then one is exercised to confess that and to receive the Lord's forgiveness and cleansing. So now the conscience is a good conscience. And then, right there, that person lives under the control of the self. Trying to be better, even perfect. Trying to improve. Trying to fulfill the requirements. This is the snare. There must be the exercise. To always have a good conscience, even a pure conscience, then what? If one is being recovered to the direct rule of God, the then what is the return to sweet inward fellowship with the shining Jesus in your spirit. You don't, you don't go to the self, and live under the control of the self. That a good person, simply by being good, deals with the conscience according to whatever standard one is following, and then spontaneously lives by self-effort. But when one is being recovered from conscience to the direct rule of God, this good conscience, this pure conscience is the base on which one may now through intuition and fellowship contact the Lord, behold the Lord, live under his shining, live in his flowing, Then one's living is not under the direction of the self, but under the direction of the indwelling Christ as life, shining, dispensing, and flowing in one. Paul certainly became a pattern of a God-man. He had to go through a process. Himself, Even in Acts, he had to make the transition himself. But eventually he could say, to me to live is Christ. He lived Christ. Christ made his home in his heart. He magnified Christ. He enjoyed the all-inclusive Christ. Christ was his life. Christ was his constituent. Nevertheless, he never departed from the proper and necessary exercise of his conscience. So please, I urge you, don't take in the thought, Oh, we don't need conscience anymore. We just uh, will live according to intuition and fellowship. Well... To walk according to spirit is to walk according to all the functions of the spirit. The first of which is the conscience. Now some verses. And you don't need to, you may want to note them. You don't have to read along. Acts 23, 1. And Paul, looking intently at the Sanhedrin, said, Men, brothers, I have conducted myself in all good conscience, before God, until this day. So right up until that very moment, this was his practice. And there is an excellent note on conscience, which I commend to your reading later. And while I'm thinking of it, I would like to point to that ministry source, which is one of the bases of this teaching on direct rule, conscience, human government, then the recovery to conscience to direct rule. And that is the first several pages of the chapter on dealing with the conscience in the experience of life. Uh, And also this note that I just referred to Uh, Shares similar things, but not entirely. Then in Acts 24, 16, Paul says, Because of this, I also exercise myself to have a conscience without offense toward God and men. So we see this God-man is always exercising himself Exercising the spirit by activating his will to always have a conscience, what without offense toward God and men. So surely, this God-Man would never neglect the proper exercise of his conscience in. Chapter 23, I mentioned this last night. One of the persons there slapped him on the face and Paul reacted. He said, you whitewashed wall. Contrary to the law, you strike me. Then he was corrected. Is that the way you speak to the high priest? Well, it's possible that Paul made a mistake there. Strong reaction. He immediately corrected it and said, Brothers, I didn't know he was the high priest. It is written, you shall not speak evil of a ruler of the people. But, unlike us, if we had been there, if I had been there, I would have said, I'm finished. I, I can't be an apostle anymore. I, made, I was too strong. I, I, I spoke too rashly. I'm too quick. Uh, it, it's all over. I'll I'll never write Ephesians or Colossians or whatever. (laughs) You know, I'm just going to go home and sulk. I'm so disappointed with myself. I thought I would be better by now. And now I made this mistake. And I'm just not feeling good about myself. No, he exercised to clear it up and then go on. This is a very good pattern. So he always exercised himself to have such a conscience. Then he writes to Timothy certain important words, such as First 1 Timothy 1, 1.5. But the end of the charge is love out of a pure heart and out of a good conscience and of unfeigned faith. Then in chapter 3, verse 9, he says, holding the mystery of the faith in a pure conscience. Well, in one verse, he speaks of a good conscience. In this verse, he speaks of a pure conscience. It is important that we know the difference because the pure conscience will be a channel by which We are led into direct contact with God. A good conscience is a conscience that clears any defilement, any sense of offense. And when you do that, you have a good conscience, you're at rest. A pure conscience is higher than a good conscience. A pure conscience is a conscience without any mixture. And even more, it is a conscience that testifies you are pure in heart, seeking only God himself. See, a good conscience will not register a condemnation unless you have done something wrong. You have trespassed. You have made a mistake. It will not register impurity in your being in motive. But when the conscience is purified, then it will respond to any mixture, any impurity in our being. So when the conscience is pure... It is now testifying, you want nothing for yourself. You seek only God and his will. You're in the church life, you don't want anything for your own benefit. You, you seek God, you seek the kingdom first. Then one other verse in Second Timothy, uh, Paul testifies this. Chapter 1, verse 3. I thank God, whom I serve from my forefathers in a pure conscience. So isn't it clear, there is this line in Paul's teaching and in his living. So we would never teach and we, would, we should never say that, oh, I'm under the direct rule of God. I don't need to care about the conscience. We must always exercise our spirit to constantly have a conscience which bears witness. You're at peace with all the brothers and sisters. Even you're at peace with the people uh, you interact with in your daily living. Many years ago, I was in something like a 7-Eleven one morning and I just had an unpleasant reaction to the one serving. You know, in a sense he had done something. And then I went out and then I came back in After repenting to the Lord, I apologized to him for my reaction. And, you know, he he had seen me come and go before. He said, I knew you would come back. But I owe him an apology, whether he's a brother or not, in the church or not, he's a person. I can't mistreat a person. So Paul exercised to have a good conscience. And he did it right there in Acts when he exercised right there. He spoke strongly, probably a little fast. Luke records this for our learning. Then he clears it up. Because he's not wallowing in himself. In his subjectivity. Oh I wasn't perfect. Oh I embarrassed myself. See self 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 self. Eventually his conscience is pure. Because that's all he wants. Is God and God's purpose. And with such a pure conscience. He may now. Contact God in Christ directly. Receive impressions from this indwelling one. Through the intuition. Enjoy sweet fellowship. In the fellowship function. So I don't know if I can make it. Any clearer than this. If you are at the stage of being a good person, and you have to be good before you can be God in life and nature, that second O is stubborn. It keeps bouncing back. So you are aware of unease in your conscience and you clear it up. Okay, Then what? Do you just lapse into... A living that's really governed by yourself. So you're under self-rule. And if you look into the life study of Colossians. On the authority of darkness. Brother Lee points out. Any rule established by the self. Is the authority of darkness. So you are trying to control yourself. Manage yourself. And when you fail, your conscience troubles you, so you clear it up. You don't want to spend the rest of your life here. The Lord wants to shepherd you through that, so that although you continue always to exercise, to have a good conscience, even a pure conscience, your whole thought is that I might live God, that I might be in his presence, that I might be under his shining, that he might be able to flow in me, that I might be able to receive his leading, his anointing. Not that I would make myself a perfect person. And we won't go to him 942 again, But that him is a testimony of a man living under the direct rule of God. This is the reality of the kingdom of the heavens. And this ruling is not a thing. It's a person. It's Christ himself living. And as he lives and we're one with him, we live him. And actually, the standard will be much, much higher as it is in Matthew 5 through 7. And the conscience will respond to this higher standard. Consider the example of the rice farmers. Their conscience would not condemn them for not pumping water, to those occupying the lower terraces who were stealing their water. It's not wrong not to pump water for water thieves. (laughs) Now, in this case, they were perfected by Brother Nee. But Brother Nee was living in another realm. He realized that the Lord who dwells in him is not satisfied with simply being righteous in an outward way. This life would require him to pump water for the fields of those who were stealing water. And then the conscience will have rest when it fulfills God's requirement in this situation. So a, an ethical person, their conscience will trouble them when they sin, if they do something worldly. But an ethical conscience will not trouble you if you live yourself. You can live yourself all day long and your ethical conscience will not condemn you. But if the Lord is growing in you and enlightening you, as Brother Lee himself testified of himself, he said, I confess for not living Christ that something in me is causing me to repent. That even though I did not sin, I was not worldly, I didn't offend anyone. This was all me living. I cannot say and I should not say uh, anything more, but I believe I've said enough so that there's no ground in anyone's mind to say again, as was said, oh, we don't need to care for the conscience. We must always care for the conscience. But in what way? And toward what end? Do you want to end up as a person? We remember you. Of course, we have to say the best things at a memorial. But in our heart, we may remember something different from what is emphasized. You want to be remembered as this was a good sister. And she was very close to being perfect. And she was just a good sister. Or would you rather leave the legacy? This sister lived God among us. She was Jesus living again. Whenever I contact our dear sister Lee, I don't have the sense of contacting a good person. But I always have the sense of contacting God in Christ. In an elderly sister. If we're somewhat clear about this basic matter, we can go on now to message six. To living in the church as the kingdom of God. That we just can't sit in our room and be under the direct rule of God in Christ day and night. We have to live a human life, a family life, a church life. And Matthew in particular is the gospel that reveals this. In a very real sense, John is the gospel of the house. John fourteen, my father's house. And Destroy this temple, I will raise it again in three days. So in John, you have the wonderful enjoyment of the triune God in the church as the Father's house. Matthew is the gospel of the city. Even the Lord speaks of a city set on a hill that surely refers to the built-up church. And probably the most accurate word to describe Matthew, especially as compared to Luke and John, is that Matthew is heavy. It's weighty. And sometimes there might even be Just a sense of reluctance in reading through Matthew. Oh, I I, I want to read through Luke, the Man savior. So pleasant. I'd like to read John. Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. But according to God's sovereign arrangement, the New Testament opens with Matthew. With these incredible requirements. Now. We have to see something here. And if you see this. And you live this. You'll get a lot of help. Uh, children and even adults. Might have a kind of strange thought about something. There's this requirement and they know they can't do it. So here's the thought. I cannot do it, therefore I don't have to do it. Well, let's just go to a rather simple commandment in Ephesians 5 to the husbands. Love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her. That is not advice. That's not the suggestion. So if a brother says, I can't do that, therefore I don't have to do it, you are in trouble With God. Okay. Here are the steps. This is not a method. But here are the steps. To whatever God says. In his word. Say amen. Amen. Because God says it. The Lord said. You shall therefore be perfect. Even as your heavenly father is perfect. We should say amen. Amen. Not not amen I will do it. But amen to your speaking. Then we should say something else. Lord I cannot do this. I know that I cannot do this. Yet, you command me to do it, but I cannot do it. The Lord is waiting for this, then he will indicate. I know you cannot do it. Let me do it. Let me live. But if we don't give the amen to God's word because it's God's word, we're finished. We are disregarding God's word. But if we say amen, meaning that's right. Whatever you say, I will do. Even I consecrate myself to this. I don't know what kind of consecration that is. That is your promise. If you're still in that. I guess you'll just have to be in Romans 7. Until the cows come home. And do they ever come home on their own. I don't know what that expression means. But it'll be there for quite a while. But if you have been Helped by all of your hundreds and thousands of failures, all allowed by God, if you have been helped by these, you will know yourself to some extent and you will say, Lord, I cannot do this. I cannot love my wife the way you love the church to the point of giving up your life. I expect my wife to give up her life for me. <laughs> I'm the man, she's the woman. Doesn't the Bible say the woman was created for the man? I'm the man. Well, This is God's word. But if a brother would say, I'm enlightened by this. This is your command to me. I say, Amen. But Lord, I can't do it. I love myself more than I love my wife. That's why I'm so angry When things are not the way I want them to be, I'm angry because of my supreme love of myself. So I can do it, but then you don't say I don't have to. Then let the Lord live in you. With this in mind, let's turn to message six. living in the church as the kingdom of God, according to the revelation in the gospel of Matthew. Maybe at the end of October in a certain place, I'll have a conference just on this subject to explore the whole book of Matthew from this point of view. Matthew instructs us on living in the church as the city of God. For example, there's very strong teaching about forgiveness. That if you will not forgive others their offenses, God will not forgive you. And you may say, well, I'll forgive. But he hasn't humbled himself before me. But that's not the Lord's teaching. If you have anything to forgive, you forgive. And then Matthew speaks about hearing the church in Matthew 18. I want to be careful to generalize this illustration. But the attitude of some brothers and sisters is, well, I just hear the Spirit. But Matthew 18 doesn't say, if he does not hear the Spirit. If he does not hear the church. And it's really sad when a brother or a sister will not hear the church. That is, will not hear the word of the elders or leading ones or responsible ones. If we are to live in the church as the city of God, we must hear the church. And there may be a situation like this, where a few brothers are fellowshipping with a dear brother whom they love, And they give him an honest word. He doesn't take it. Then he goes away with an opinion. These brothers replaced Christ. And then something unfortunate happens to one of those brothers. Then the other opinion comes. God did that to him because he replaced Christ in giving me fellowship. I wish I could say such things were merely fiction. In the kingdom, in the church as the city of God, the kingdom, God's administration is there. And he has established an administration in the church, which is carried out by shepherding. But according to Matthew 18, if one will not hear the church, he is not excommunicated. But you have to regard him as an unbeliever. You see him at Walmart. You say, hi, brother. It's a nice day, isn't it? It's a nice day. How is your family? You cannot have fellowship. So please be watchful for an unbalanced spirituality. Which says I only listen from God. God tells me I don't have to provide for my family. And now you tell me I should provide for my family. You are replacing God. You should be judged. So there are many, many matters like this throughout Matthew on serving God and not mammon, on being faithful in our function, in not exercising authority. This struck me recently. The Lord said, he not only said, do not lord it over them, Do not exercise authority over them. And I've been in situations where a brother with a strong character exercised authority. And the results were not good. To exercise authority is different from representing the Lord who has all authority by allowing Him to flow through you. Do you see the difference? Then you are not presuming to exercise something because you are strong or because you have a position. Rather, you are under the Lord's rule and He flows through you and that person meets God. Okay, that's enough to give us at least a little glimpse into Matthew as a whole, as the gospel of the city. Now let's go through the 10 sections on the outline. And when we come to one point in particular, I will read a footnote to you that might revolutionize a few lives in the most positive way we'll see repent for the kingdom of the heavens has drawn near to repent is have a change of mind with regret for the past and a turn for the future so repentance begins with the mind And the kingdom requires this. You have a certain view. You have a certain opinion. You have a certain concept. About persons. About a family. About how parents care for their children. About a church. And that opinion, that mind may be very different from God's. You know, Moses was called the meekest man on the earth. But when the people were murmuring because they were thirsty, God told Moses, speak to the rock. It's already been cleft. But Moses was provoked. He took the rod again. And he struck the rock a second time and then he said to the people, you rebels. Immediately God came in. You will not enter the land. Because of this, you will die in the wilderness. You failed to sanctify me. What does that mean? You gave my people the impression that I'm like the God of the pagans, full of anger. I am not angry with them. You did not represent me faithfully. I knew they were thirsty. I understood why why they were murmuring. But you were provoked. And you are my representative, and you gave the impression that I am angry. This is very serious to misrepresent the Lord largely because of a misperception of the situation. That's why we need to repent. I have to tell you, we are so confident in our minds, in our thoughts, in our view. When the turmoil was seething in Anaheim in 88, 89, a good number of faithful saints, experienced saints, would go to this one that I refer to as a religious one. And shared their concern. And he listened. then with an air of self-confidence, he said, "I have a different view." No doubt he did. I wonder if he will die with his different view. didn't Job's friends have a view about Job's suffering? Would you imagine this really happened? The wife of an elder, a dear sister, is in the hospital with cancer very advanced. And three sisters, schooled in a certain way, visited her in the hospital and said, We know why you have cancer. It's because your husband is rebellious. So their God is a God who inflicts with cancer the wife of an elder whom they think is rebellious. Actually, he was not. We have to repent of our view of things. I'm anticipating something. If you have a strong opinion with judgment as to why someone became seriously ill, you are setting up yourself to be afflicted with the same illness. Judge and you'll be judged. And that all has root in our mind, in our concept, which we trust. We don't have light from God We may not even understand why certain things happen to us. Who are we to interpret the experiences of others? Will this ever stop? No, it won't. Except among those who live under the rule of God. With them, it will stop. To repent and to turn to God is to turn to God in every way and in everything for the fulfillment of his purpose in creating man. For the kingdom of God, we should have a change in our mind and make a turn in our life pursuit. Our pursuing must turn toward God and his kingdom. This word, repent for the kingdom of the heavens has drawn near, was the first word uttered by the Lord Jesus in his ministry. Echoing John the Baptist. If we we never repent for attitudes and behaviors and words that issue from our concept, we're not under the Lord's rule. We are under our feeling about right and wrong. We are under the tree of death. So confident. But when we are enlightened, our confidence is shattered. And our mind has a turn. And we are focused on God and his purpose. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Our spirit is the deepest part of our being. The organ by which we contact God and realize spiritual things. Do you know what is lovely to see in a sister or a brother? It is to see a sister or a brother who is on the older side. Sixties, seventies. They've been believers for a long time. Yet, they are poor in spirit. So open to receive something fresh from the Lord. If someone is not poor, that is empty in the deepest part of his being, there can be no kingdom with that one. Certain ones, especially those who feel they have the ground to attack us. As I meet them, as I become familiar with their writings, you can sense a certain spirit. There's a haughty spirit, a proud spirit, a closed spirit. A spirit filled with old things, with theology, with philosophy. I I refer to the older age group because the old tend to be filled. But to see an older person, poor in spirit, so open to the Lord, After years and years of following him. What a mercy. So our spirit is the deepest part of our being. The organ by which we contact God. And realize spiritual things. We need to be poor. Emptied. Unloaded. In this part of our being. So that we may realize and possess the kingdom. Now. Don't try to analyze what kind of spirit you have. You'll get trapped in introspection. If you want to be poor in spirit, just sit down before the Lord and say, Lord, I want to be poor in spirit. Cause me to become poor in spirit. Please give me the experiences I need to be poor in spirit. Brother Lee remained poor in spirit his entire life. And we can be the same. Three. Blessed are the pure in heart. To be pure in heart. Is to be single in purpose. To have the single goal of accomplishing God's will. For God's glory. Now you cannot purify your heart by yourself. But re- remember, think of Revelation 22.1. He showed me a pure river of water of life. Bright as crystal. Okay? Purity is Christ. The divine life is pure. The divine nature is pure gold. Let this life flow in you. Don't analyze yourself and try to perfect yourself. Let the river flow. The river will become your purity in a flowing way. And this crystal clear river will be flowing on a street of trance. Parent gold. And then. You just have this realization. Lord. I only want you. I only want your will. I only want your glory. Whatever it is. This is why I live. And there is no reason. Why a sister or brother. 14 years old could not come to the microphone in a little while and just say, by the Lord's life in me, I only want the triune God. Our heart is the ground where Christ as the seed of life grows. We need to be pure in heart so that Christ may grow in us without frustration. I'd only been in the church for a few months when a brother who had been in the church for about four years, fellowship with me. And he, uh, it was pleasant and he spoke concerning himself. He said, "I, I have the portion to minister the word, but it has not yet been manifested in the church. So I said, okay, I believe him. If he has a portion to minister the word, then I believe him. And I'm, this is a new thought to me about somebody being manifested, but I suppose that's such a thing. And then some years later he said to me about himself, my Portion to minister has just never been manifested in the church. Then I learned more and had more experience. And I realized the reason this has not been manifested is that there's nothing to manifest. (laughs) You're waiting for something to happen that is not going to happen. Rather, you have another kind of portion from the Lord, which we treasure. But it's not that. And eventually, he just stepped out of the church. Why, I don't know. But one reason people leave is unfulfilled ambition. The other main reason is unforgiven Offenses, But how good to be with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Uh, it was kind of, this goes back 25 years. Some teenage brothers, now they're middle-aged. They said, we are going to establish an organization called the FEA. So what is the FEA? Future Elders of America. (laughs) So here they are uh, already uh, impure, realize we're just 17, we're really not men yet, but you want to sign up for the Future Elders of America. That shows, there's this assumption that I will be this one day. And then I found out I was shocked in my naivety that even sisters, when considering brothers, can be ambitious. One sister confessed this to me. She said, I admit I'm ambitious. I want to marry a brother with potential. And so he will be the king And I will be the queen. (laughs) There was a real case. Where a brother was appointed an elder. Duly appointed by brother Lee. Then the sister held a dinner. To celebrate her husband's eldership. I wish I had been there. (laughs) Probably the Lord and me wouldn't let this happen but. I would like to go there like Elijah and said, Woe to you, sister. <laughs> you will rarely see your husband from this time on. He is a slave. Or you're ambitious. Oh, oh, oh. I, I'm not stopping with elder. I, I want a brother with co-worker potential. He'll be blended and he will be ministering. Really? Then expect to spend a lot of time at home alone, you and the kitty cat. (laughs) And if your husband loves you, he'll text you once a day. It's useless. It's so good to be simple Let the Lord purify our hearts so he can grow in us. Next, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and Pharisees, you shall by no means enter into the kingdom of the heavens. This righteousness is not only objective righteousness, which is the Christ whom we receive when we believe in him and thus are justified before God, but especially the subjective righteousness, which is the indwelling Christ lived out of us as our righteousness that we may live in the reality of the kingdom today and enter into its manifestation in the future. The scribes and Pharisees had an outward righteousness. Our righteousness here is not the robe Christ has righteousness Signified by the robe. It is the wedding garment righteousness. The expression of the Christ living in us. We know from Matthew 22. No one without this garment. Will be in the wedding feast. Revelation 19. The bride is ready. Oh how. Young brides to be. Dream about their wedding garments. There is, I don't know if there's still Bride Magazine. I don't think there's a magazine called Bridegroom Magazine. <laughs> Our culture idolizes the female. But God's economy is all about the bridegroom with the bride. And the New Jerusalem is adorned as a bride for her husband. This is what the Lord is talking about here. It is impossible for our natural life to gain this surpassing righteousness. It can be produced only by the resurrection life of Christ. But if you are a good person bound for perfection, then you will try to produce this kind of righteousness And may the Lord have mercy on you so that you will fail. If you succeed, you just build up yourself. And if you build up yourself to be like righteous Job, you just prolong the process of when it all has to be consumed and you're reconstituted. We should say amen to this word then we should say, I can't produce this righteousness. How can I have this kind of subjective righteousness? Then the Lord would indicate, I know you can't, but it's easy for me. Just let me flow in you. Don't try. Love me, open to me, enjoy me. Let me flow. I'm very good at this. Blessed are the merciful for they shall be shown mercy. To be merciful is to give one what he does not deserve. To receive mercy is to receive what we do not deserve. In Ephesians 2, you have the description of our being dead in trespasses and sins under the spirit of the power of the age. Then Paul says, but God who is rich in mercy. I hope that the day will come, brothers and sisters, when you yourself realize everything is a matter of God's mercy is not of him who wills, nor of him who runs, but of God, the one who shows mercy. I was prophesying in a Lord's Day morning meeting in Anaheim, and a faithful sister was there with her sister from her family, also a sister in the Lord, who had been out of the recovery for quite a long time. And, while I was speaking, this sister, the visiting one, had a reaction, she said to her sister, who was in the church, Who does he think he is? So the sister shared that with me, didn't bother me at all. I said, here is my answer. Please pass this on to her. Who do I think I am? I am a man who because of God's mercy has not been consumed. That's what I think. If God had not had mercy on me, I would have been dead a long time ago. If he'd only been righteous, strict righteousness, no mercy. If we are merciful to others... The Lord will give us mercy, especially at his judgment seat. And James has a good word. He shall be judged without mercy, who has shown no mercy. One day I was taking my exercise walk, and I was accosted by an elderly sister who had left the recovery 20 years ago. Highly opinionated, very critical. And she started accusing and condemning. And I said to her, as I was trying to get away, (laughs) you are speaking like a judge. You know what she said? I will judge angels. She's now advanced in her eighties. Judgment upon judgment, no mercy. Defines herself as being an overcomer. Now, what, what should be in my heart toward her? A woman so strong. And by the Lord's mercy, this is what is in my heart. Lord, have mercy on her. She still has time. Have mercy on her. But if we do not have mercy on others, the Lord will remember this, then He will say something like this: "Now you are here for judgment concerning the kingdom." And I would like to remind you that you were merciless on others. So now my judgment will be without mercy toward you. I will judge you according to strict righteousness. Do you think any of us could pass that kind of exam? Do you think anyone could say, there is nothing worthy of judgment? The kingdom is according to righteousness, but mercy is there. Remember Paul saying in 2 Timothy, may he find mercy of the Lord in that day. Now six, you therefore shall be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. For us to be perfect as our heavenly father is perfect means that we are perfect In his love. Because that's the context. Loving your enemies. We are the father's children. Having the father's divine life and nature. Therefore we can be perfect as our father is. Now here is part of the note. On verse 48. Note 1. For the kingdom people to be perfect as their heavenly father is perfect means that they are perfect in his love. They are the father's children, having the father's divine life and divine nature. Hence, they can be perfect as their father is. The demand of the new law of the kingdom is much higher than the requirements of the law of in the old dispensation. This higher demand can be met only by the Father's divine life, not by the natural life. Now, at the very bottom of the note, this demand opens up the inner being of the regenerated people, showing them that they are able to attain to such a high level and to have such a high living. I treasured this. The, the weight of these requirements of the kingdom life eventually will have the effect of opening up to ourselves our own inner. Being, That is our regenerated spirit. And we will realize our spirit is life. We have the highest life in our spirit. In, in your own being is the triune God as life. But we may not know our being in this way. Especially brothers. Everything's objective, doctrinal, outward. I know the divine life can do this. The divine life can meet the divine requirement. Matthew gives the requirement. John gives the supply of life. I'm clear about that. I can teach a class on that. I'm sure you are clear and that you can teach But brother, you do not yet know your own inner being and realize this life is in you. I mean you. Our inner being needs to be opened up. Showing us there's another person in us. Do you not know that Jesus Christ is in you? And Christ is our life. If we begin to see this and to realize this life functions spontaneously by the law of life, it can fulfill all that God requires even if the divine life required me to be martyred this afternoon, this life would be well able to give me a victorious end. Instead of dying there like some stoical Nazi puffing on his last cigarette and then saluting before the firing squad ugly. This life can do anything God requires us to do. What a a revolution it is when we discover this in ourselves. And I just believe it was in Paul. It was in Brother Lee. It's in these older brothers and sisters. What about in you? You're 19 years old. You're 27. You're 36. You're 48. You're 51. You're 65. You're 70 something. To realize what is inside of you. What kind of treasure is in your earthen vessel. Then you will realize... I say amen to this commandment. Be perfect. I will be able to love all the brothers and sisters. I will be able to love all human beings without partiality. People of all races and cultures. They will be able to look in my heart. And they will know I love everyone the same. No partiality, no prejudice, no discrimination. I love people of every social class, of every language group, every ethnic group, every educational level. But that's not the highest. There are enemies. Then we love our enemies. How did Stephen pray at the end? Lord, Vindicate me. Smite them for killing me. Stephen was the reproduction of Jesus who prayed, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. Stephen prayed, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. You think Stephen was performing there? He's saying, Lord, I don't really mean it. I'm just trying to act heroic at the end. That would be pretense of the worst kind. This life will make you and me the reproduction of Christ. May the Lord open up our own being. When you pray, pray to your father who is in secret and your father who sees in secret will repay you. The kingdom people live by the Father's divine life and walk according to their spirit. Thus they are required to do good things in secret according to the mysterious hidden nature of the divine life. The kingdom people who live in an emptied and humbled spirit and walk in a pure and single heart must be all, do all things in the spirit To please their heavenly father. To live in the church as a city of God. Requires all of us. To have a hidden life. If everything is public. You have no hidden history with the Lord. No private exchanges. Between you and the Lord. No hidden giving. No hidden praying. Even no hidden suffering. You may suffer and right away you want to walk around with your dealt with look. So the sisters will sympathize with you. And pay attention to you. It's much better for others to have no outward indication. You don't draw attention to yourself in your situation. Those who are deep in the spirit will sense the pain. That's a different thing. This is not being hypocritical. This is hiding the reality before the father who sees in secret. Perhaps the thing I respect and treasure most about My own wife is that I deeply know she prays in secret. The kingdom life is like this God is a God who hides himself, and He doesn't want us to make a display. If we have to function outwardly, as we all do to some degree, I certainly have to in this conference then there must be a great deal more that remains hidden. That is the support for what is made manifest. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, (coughs) and all these things will be added to you. The context here is the anxiety about the economic situation. The Father's kingdom is the reality of the kingdom of the heavens and the reality of the church today. And it will be the manifestation of the kingdom in the coming age. The Father's righteousness is Christ who is lived out by the kingdom people. If we seek first the kingdom and righteousness of our heavenly Father, not only will his kingdom and righteousness be given to us, But also all that we need will be added to us. Therefore, we should never live in tomorrow. But always live in today. A life without anxiety. One day my wife asked Brother Lee. I was petrified. She's asking him this question sitting at our dinner table. She said, Brother Lee, why is it that the sisters cause so many problems in the church? See, sidebar, the vast majority of ordinary problems are caused by sisters. All the big problems are caused by brothers. So isn't that fair? You just specialize in the little stuff and the brothers cause all the major upheavals. And he gently responded briefly to her question and he said vainglory and insecurity and I learned a lot from that that oh when the sisters are insecure they're really vulnerable to the enemies eating them up and they can go kind of crazy especially when other stuff is happening but you need to give more honor, brothers, married brothers, to the weaker vessel. And understand, there is a need for security. It's in us all, but it's especially prominent in the female. This is a need. Can't you look deeper than the, the hysterics? Admittedly. It's quite dramatic and it's quite forceful. But there's something underlying that. Your wife needs to know that she has a father, that we have a father. And Father knows what we need. His son lived on this earth, he knows. So if you concentrate on the things that the ungodly worry about, you just have more anxiety. But will you seek first today the inner ruling of the kingdom of the divine life? Seek first the church life as the practicality of the kingdom. We will receive the kingdom in righteousness, And then we will find something soothing to swallow up our anxiety. So, sisters, you don't have to be ashamed of the sense of insecurity, of the anxiety you have. The answer to this is knowing that you have a father. And brothers, the husbands and the dads, we bear Such a weight of responsibility. How hard it is for a husband and dad to be unemployed. How this just strikes his sense of worth. But we have a father who knows our situation. Admittedly, he has his own way of taking care of it and his own time, but he's a wonderful father. Just tell him what you're worried about, what you're afraid of. He'll take care of you real good. Do not judge that you be not judged. If we live in a humble spirit under the inner ruling of the kingdom, we will not judge others. This does not mean much interpretation. There's a law here. You judge, then you will be judged in the same way. If we judge others with righteousness, we will be judged with righteousness by the Lord. If we judge others others with mercy, we will be judged with mercy by the Lord. This is really serious. Certain things happen to certain saints. Because they have activated the law of judgment. By judging. Now some can go online and be anonymous. And say the most horrible things about others. All in the darkness. But nothing is hidden. From the sovereign God. All those posts. All those comments. In these websites. You take on this name. A presumed name. And in the darkness. You judge. You condemn. If Many of us are not that e savvy, we have to realize we have, no matter how fallen we are, we can still be so self righteous. Criticize others the way they keep their home, the way they manage their children, the way they do this and that. And when we do, we activate The law of judgment. I'm still concerned about a middle-aged brother until I hear that he has repented and cried out for mercy. He will develop a mental condition that he condemned in someone else. He spoke reproachfully about this actually quite crucial person in the recovery. In a few years from now, he may have the same affliction. When it happens, he may think, oh, I'm suffering for the kingdom's sake. I'm making up the sufferings of Christ. No, brother. You are suffering because you judged. In the city of God, this kind of living is ruled out. This kind of thinking is ruled out. If you have discernment, then you can't deny that you have discernment. But you need to be trained to use your discernment without criticizing and without judging. And finally, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of the heavens. But he who does the will of my Father who is in the heavens. If we would enter into the kingdom of the heavens... We need to not only call on the Lord, but also do the will of the Heavenly Father. We enter into the kingdom of God through being born of the divine life. We enter into the kingdom of the heavens through the living of the divine life with which we have been regenerated. So this conference ends in a solid way right on the ground What would I say in the last minute or the most two? We have all these heavy requirements. What the Lord wants us to do is to turn our heart to Him, to open our heart to Him, to believe in Him, to love Him, to enjoy Him, And let him flow in us. Our life practice should be so simple. Every day, Lord, thank you for this day. I consecrate this day to you. I consecrate myself to you today. Lord, I turn my heart to you. I open my heart to you. I just need you. I love you. I give you access to my whole being, grow in me today, grace me today, flow in me today. This is the heart of it. Then just follow his shining, his inner shepherding. If you need to confess something, you confess it. If you don't have any sense to do that, read the word, pray, read the word. Sing a hymn. Read a portion of the ministry. In other words, be happy in Jesus. This is my parting word. The best thing you can do for yourself, for the church, for the Lord's recovery, is to be happy in Jesus. By loving him and letting him love you and flow into you, then eventually you will know that the church is the house of God where we enjoy God. And you will know that the church is the city of God over which God rules and through which God reigns. And then we are in the way of life, so we're not looking for spectacular results or anything immediate. Little by little by little, the Lord will advance. So when we meet again, we will all have more God, Amen. more Christ, more spirit, more life, more house, more city. What can we do but thank the Lord? Amen. Praise, the Lord. praise the Lord. Lord, we praise you. Amen. Praise, the praise the Lord. Glory be to God. Amen. Hallelujah.